0: driving down 4th Street and I got to the light at Santa Monica and at the corner there's this gal standing there with thigh high bright pink vinyl shiny boots. (laughs) High heels. (laughs) And then I look and like her outfit is pink. She's got a pink mini skirt, a pale pink cardigan. And then I notice she's with two other gals who are all dressed in pink and one of them has sort of a fake-looking blonde dude with a big, huge ponytail. And then I get down to the light by the metro, and there are a whole bunch of pink people. There's a mom, and she's in one of those pink 50s-style skirts. A kid with a pink polka dot top and her pink tutu. Toddlers. And one a bit older than me in pink. And then, oh, duh, there's Barbie World. Oh, duh, the Barbie movie just opened this weekend. And it made me think of my own relationship and history with Barbie. The only time I ever played with a Barbie or multiple Barbies was had Barbie Playhouse and Ken and oodles of outfits and shoes, but my mom was not a fan. I got Barbie's little sister, Skipper. And by the last, I can tell that some of you know Skipper was not curvy and did not have tippy-toe feet ready for those high heels. And in a silly way, I do think about this morning's gospel about the wheat and the weeds, and my mom doing her best to weed out gender-confining doll play. Barbie was, from the get-go in the very early 60s, a lightning rod for emergent feminism. And on through today continues to be a focal point for thought and reflection on gender activism. Yet others argue, is Barbie really? where did Barbie come from? Well, you could say her inventor, Ruth Handler, came up with the idea for Barbie through her own musings on gender and what we today would call gender construction. She noticed when her daughter was young that all the dolls that were available were babies, implying that all girls are to be formed. And yet she saw her daughter and her daughter's friends playing with paper dolls that they'd cut out. And in that play, the dolls were always teenagers or young adults. And these girls were projecting their dreams and aspirations, albeit shaped by the 1950s and early 60s, onto these dolls. So, thinks Ruth, why not a grown-up doll? The little seed of this Barbie idea, this grown-up doll, has produced decades and decades, as we all know, of Barbie. Barbie intertwined in childhoods globally. She's got 99% name recognition around the world, and there are dozens upon dozens upon dozens of Barbies sold every minute to this day. And I think this is the first sermon I've ever preached on a product. Have on one hand, my friends, my cousins, my nieces playing with oodles of Barbies and dream houses and dream campers, and on the other hand, a whole slew of us that were formed without doll play around fashion or makeup or boyfriending Ken. Barbie, wheat or weed? The gospel this morning, Jesus points out that wheat and weeds grow together, and that when harvest time comes. The wheat will be collected and put into the barn, the wheat that's bearing grain, and the weeds will be thrown into fire, burnt up where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I have a good number of colleagues who call this the terrible parable. And I'm guessing there are a good number of us that jump first to the thought of, uh uh-oh, am I a weed? Am I the one? some of us here have been in context and even religious context being told yeah, you're you're a weed. you are going to burn in hell but what if this parable is not so much about whether we are a wheat or a weed but more about the nature of the world and that in the nature of the world as the world is growing that perhaps wheat and weed are indistinguishable the roots As Jesus warns, do not to weed and uh, discovering there was something that sure looked like a weed, pulling it up and boop, it's a potato. Good and bad, things of God and things not of God, growing together, inextricably bound together. And how many of us have experienced that even good that we know and we're confident XYZ is good? that can produce harm beyond what we would have ever imagined. Or that there's harm looking, lurking in the heart or in the community that isn't apparent. incredible science and this incredible hope that science would usher in the globe confident in our decisions about who in our community are weeds. This nation founded on colonialism decided that anybody indigenous was a weed. And from the first settlers from Europe onward the program of genocide launched. Unless we think, oh that was back then, we know better now all the way up through the 1900's. There's a push to have Indian boarding schools to pluck young, growing children out of their indigenous communities and put them in communities run by churches, Catholic churches, some Episcopal churches, run by churches to train these kids Interesting that now the nation considers the weeds as being anyone who, from the outside coming in. Before it was all the people here that weren't good enough. Now it's everybody from the outside—the immigrants, the refugees, those seeking asylum, African Americans coming as slaves, considered weeds, left land, separated, segregation. Now LGBTQIA plus that debate weeds. in this country and around the globe. So I think this parable exaggeration and writing at large to help get people to understand, be patient. And even when Matthew was writing this gospel, he was in a community that was full of debate and concern. It was one of the earliest Christian communities outside of, of Jerusalem, up in Antioch. And they were fighting among themselves about who had the true gospel, who really was preaching the good news of says, all causes of sin and all evil doers. There's a more contemporary, more recent translation from the common English Bible that says, if you really look at the words, what's getting thrown into the not our job to step into God's shoes, we aren't the ones to dispense of one another. We're not the ones to condemn. But at the same time, this doesn't mean we're just to sit back and ignore evil. We are to work towards justice and towards peace and towards the coming of the kingdom of God. I think the call here is to do so without accusing, without ripping this work. who sows abundantly, wildly, on rocky ground, on thorny ground, on wonderful, rich soil, that that love is everywhere, and that is the love we are to live into, that is the love that has made us, that is the love that has made everybody, and we are...